The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We live in a fast-paced, hectic world where it is easy to feel overwhelmed, stressed, and out of control. How do you manage all the competing pressures without losing your sense of yourself? How do you stay focused enough to not only plot a path, but follow it? Welcome to Master Your Life, a show that offers inspiration, insight, and intelligence, as well as success stories for many walks of life that can show you how you can control your own destiny. Our knowledgeable and entertaining hosts and their guests give practical advice that you can use every day in the quest to master your life. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Welcome to Master Your Life. I am Leah Mattinson, and uh, this is the show where we talk about who we are and who is it that we want to be. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin. Uh, Howard, welcome to the show this week. And I just wanted to uh, give you the mic for a few minutes because you and I were talking before the show started about that you had popped over to see a doctor friend and and just you had a great story from that visit that's really going to set the tone for the show uh, today. Yeah, it's interesting. He's a a great guy, a friend I've known for a while. And he'd heard that I'd had an accident. He hadn't seen me since then. And uh, I explained, yeah, I had an accident and, you know, I was a little concussed, but I got out and I felt great. And it wasn't even going to bother to go to the hospital, but was convinced I, you know, should go and and found out that I'd, you know, broken a sternum and actually been concussed. And he told me this story. He said there was another woman uh, involved in a similar accident in our town. And uh, similar thing to her, she got sort of badly hit, but she walked away and the paramedics came and said, you know, you probably should go to the hospital. She said, you know what, I got a lot of things to do. I'm really fine. I feel fine. Um, You know, I just don't think I need to go. And they said, okay, I guess they couldn't force her to go. And so she made a decision at that critical moment in her life not to go. And she died that night. Wow. And... (laughs) Um, you know, the, the initial, yeah, it, it kind of sent shivers through me because I was there yes. and I totally understand how she felt um, about not needing to go. So so my initial reaction to hearing that story is we really need to tell people if you're in an accident, whatever, go to the hospital. But actually, it's, it's much bigger than that, Leah. It's, you know, constantly we're faced with decisions that may be life and death decisions we don't know at the time. But we make them anyway. And how do we make those decisions? Do we do them in a very focused, mindful way? Or do we do it in a habitual, haphazard, automatic way? Because every decision we make in life potentially has got you know, a lot of consequences. And so I thought that was a very useful metaphor for thinking about our thinking. Yes. Yeah. And I and I just am struck by a couple of thoughts as you're sharing. One is I don't know what it means to be slightly concussed, Doctor Rankin. <laughs> but, <laughs> but with you, <laughs> maybe we should talk about your slight concussion <laughs> a bit more. Maybe we should. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, we should. <laughs> so yeah, and 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 so all to, all kind of joking aside, what what did your doctor friends say about your concussion, or have you had any sort of um, uh, you know, uh, repercussions from that accident that you well, maybe hadn't considered? <laughs> yeah, no, I think I have, actually. And, and actually, I'm going to um, get checked out neurologically because a couple of people have said to me they've noticed differences in, you know, my ability to focus and do things, not all the time, but some of the time. Um, so I am going to get that checked out. Now, I would never have thought um that was an issue when I walked away from that accident. But the reason I didn't is I had so much adrenaline going around my body that, you know, and probably some endorphins that that completely changed my perception of what was happening. Not just my perception, but my experience and therefore my memory and my story about that accident. 
And this is what happens in life, you know, the, the, the mood we're in, the context we're in shapes how we perceive things and can mislead us. Yes, totally down the wrong, the wrong path. Totally down the wrong path. Sometimes. Totally and and path. so my, my second sort of thought on that when you were telling the story was um, from a spiritual perspective, the even if she would have got checked out, perhaps her number was up. <laughs> so, you know, we Possibly. maybe can't, yeah, we can't maybe fault her for uh, not, she may have had a whole bunch of other reasons other than just simply feeling okay. It could have been a financial reason why she didn't want to, you know, take an ambulance. I'm not sure how billing works down in the States, but there's there's so many variables that actually factor into how we make decisions. So, there, yeah, so when, sorry, yeah, go ahead, so, Howard. Well, I think you're right, but, but I think that's one of the problems of of thinking you know this is the i think therefore i'm wrong concept i mean part of it is let's imagine let's just suppose um for a moment that and that was the issue financial issue that Mm -hmm. the thought popped into her head boy it's going to cost me i don't know five hundred dollars to do and i really don't want to do that that's just focusing on one small thing right Right. And it's going, yes. to misle- it's going to totally dominate a narrative. Oh, I've got concern, therefore I won't do it. But that's just a really small part of the whole reality and what needs to be taken into account in something that's potentially serious, right? right. So, when we're, so taking th- when we're taking things into account, what would be the things that you would look uh, to to take uh, into account in those circumstances that might give you a bigger view well, it's easier to see the, the sorts of things that distract us, okay? So the things like the mood we're in, the people we're in, the context we're in, what we hope to be doing that day, the things that we can recall that influence our decisions, all of these contribute to bias where we are going to be led away from, you know, a more rational view of the situation. We know that's that's why I say, I think, therefore, I'm wrong, because these things come into play and they influence us way more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the keys, I would think, given I'm just going to use your, your concussion as an example, Howard, because there's, you know, millions, you. Of pe- millions of people have concussions, millions of yep. athletes get concussions every yep. year. Um, so we have a lot of people who are walking around brain damaged. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to say that. <laughs> anyway, uh, but so with this, with this um, injury to the front of the brain and the back of the brain, and there's specific things that happen uh, in the front of the brain and the back of the brain when we have this concussion injury. Uh, how do we? Uh, I would think that a person would need to actually have an outside resource, a trusted advisor or advisors that would be able to help them to kind of see when they. Are, when they're seeing or their thinking isn't quite straight, what what do you think about that idea? And are there other things a person should or could do? Um, so, I mean, uh, maybe it's my concussion. Um, <laughs> but but I, are you are you saying you know specifically with concussion, or are you saying with just thinking in general? Oh, maybe with both. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, no. Clearly, if you if you're concussed, or if you're foggy or in in any way not functioning cognitively at 100%, then I think you do need outside input. Um, Actually, not just any outside input. You need specialist outside input of people who can understand the sorts of things that go on in, for example, concussion that are likely to influence your thinking. Right, mm-hmm. and in the same way, when you are debating, and you know, hopefully, it's the where the benefit that people get from going to coaching or therapy. They go to people who have knowledge about their situation and the sorts of thinking errors that people make in that situation, the way they undervalue things and overvalue things. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think that getting external help is always valuable, concussion or not. But the question is. Who is it you're going to? Are they independent people? Do they know what they're talking about? Are they expert? Um, you know, where are they coming think, from, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I think I just loop back to that, the interview with John Gray. And uh, when you guys were chatting about what you used to do in your practice 20 or 30 years ago was tell couples one thing. But now what you've realized is that, um, you know, things are actually not the way that people were, that you guys were trying to get couples to sort things out by you know getting the guy to talk a little bit more and then the woman would be kind of going what what (laughs) no (laughs) 
So I want to just caution or like I want people to be thinking about the expertise that they're also going to because sometimes, and we've talked about this a lot, um, Howard, behind the scenes about, you know, neurologists didn't even, you know, scientists didn't even recognize that there was healing going on in the brain until they could measure it 10 years ago or, you know, maybe 11 years ago now, but uh, the fact is that you the uh, the fact is that the truth is sometimes not exactly the truth, and the facts are not the facts. So whatever right. the expert is, or the experts that you're going to, the wise people that you're going to, really thinking critically about like who are they, and and how much skill and wisdom do they actually have? Like, are they somebody that have actually gone through a concussion themselves, perhaps? <laughs> because because they may have more insight than somebody that's sitting on the end of the table giving you some you know, quote unquote, good advice from a book, and uh, maybe they've never experienced any of that. So what do you think about that? Well, I think that you've always got to not necessarily take what somebody says to you as the gospel truth, but also try to understand the context in which they're giving it to you. I'm mindful of, you know, when we had Dr. David Katz on, and he was talking about, do we have a healthcare system or do we have a disease care system? And so, you know, doctors in a conventional system are looking at, well, are your markers pathological? Are they okay? Well, just because it's okay doesn't mean there's not something wrong with you, you know? Um, And so, again, we come back to this whole ability to think outside the box, and the box is the limitations we have, the limitations inherent in our brain that are brought out by the society in which we live of to think overly simplistically and not take the time or have the skill or have learned to think outside that, to say, okay, I know that my brain is simplifying the situation, but what am I missing? Am I missing something? And that would be true of your thinking, and it would be true of the doctor sitting at the end of the table or the therapist or whomever, true of their thinking too. So, so what, you're really, what you're kind of talking about would be reflective practice, so getting in the state of uh, just always being aware or mindful about what it is that your brain's telling you about like I think we had talked about, you know, your mood can even affect things and and all of that. So just your state, like who is it that is giving you the advice? Who is it that is, um, you know, what's their what's the benefit to them in in coaching you or in uh, getting you to be well? And is that their actual intent? And is that your intent or is the intent something else? Well, yeah, I think that's really important. I think one of the things that tends to happen, particularly if people are in a crisis, um, when they seek out their friends, really most of the time they're looking for justification and, you know, they're going to present their story in such a way that it's going to sound very reasonable and their friends aren't going to say, no, you're an idiot, you've got it all wrong. Um, <laughs> and I've seen that so often in my counseling days where, uh, you know, either a, a man or a woman will be having difficulties in a relationship and they say, well, I told my friends what happened, they all agree with me. Uh, yeah, well, of course, because you didn't present it in a neutral way, giving both sides of the story, um, and you did it in a way where clearly you were asking for people to agree with you. And so the context in which the communication takes place is going to determine how people not just see the situation, but how they respond to it. So I think it is... It, it's very easy to get caught up in these things and feel justified in your position. It's much more difficult to try to stand back, be as objective as possible, be reflective, and ask people for honest opinion. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, probably we don't have that many people in our life that we have that sort of authentic relationship with that we can trust that they're actually going to give an mm-hmm. honest opinion. Mm-hmm. That's what your best friends or your best therapist or your best coaches of all. Right. And I think it's that when you talked about people's, uh, you know, they're they're buying into what you have to say and supporting you in your delusion. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) If if they were thinking about what the best outcome is for you, what would they actually coach you to do? Like what would a really good friend actually coach you to do? Right, and, and, they, and this is, and, and and maybe that is one of the hallmarks of a really great friendship or relationship, is that when um, somebody presents something to their friend, and it's clear that they really want them to say something, but the friend says, "Well, actually, I 
you know, I, I think you need to think about these things. Not necessarily whether you're an idiot and you're wrong, but how about thinking about like this? I could see how, you know, the other person, your spouse, whatever, might feel this about that, or have you asked them about that? I think that's what a, a good friend, a good coach, a good therapist does, is reflect back to you some of the variables that you probably haven't thought about, to reflect back there's a different reality than quite the one that you're entertaining. And that's because what we need all the time, so that we don't end up making poor decisions or ill-informed ones. Right. I remember my grandma having the saying of, you know, you're, you turn out most likely to be like the people that you hang out with. And there's definitely uh, grains of truth in that little pearl of wisdom. So, you know, when we start every show, we talk about who am I and who is it that I want to be. So as we're growing and changing and looking at, um, you know, how do we create this new reality of, I want to be somebody that makes really great decisions. That's what I want in my life. And in the context of that we need trusted advisors and good friends, the good in good friends means people who are what? Like, how do we know that they're the good ones? Well, I think they're people who don't always agree with us, okay? They're the people that we feel safe talking honestly and openly to. And and, and we create an environment where they can do the same for us. And when you've created that environment of open, honest communication without criticism necessarily, um, but respecting maybe of different positions, then you've got the opportunity for authentic feedback and an exchange of views that's going to be constructive and helpful rather than just rubber stamping what you think somebody wants you to say. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so on that note, as we leave to go to our first break, I just invite uh, people who are listening in today to really think about who you are right now. Who is it that you want to be? Who do you have in your life that's actually a trusted advisor? And, and if you gave them a call or you thought about what would so-and-so say, like what would my best friend Dwayne say about this situation? What would they actually say? And just to think, like, can you actually get out of your own thinking to think about how somebody else might think about your situation and somebody that actually had the hat on of love, truth, trust, and giving. And then after the break, uh, we'll talk more about how do we actually make good decisions, how do we take decisions, how do we set intention, and how do we really get the outcomes we want. Uh, So looking forward to having Howard back after the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm Leah Mattinson and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Howard Rank. And today we're talking about decision-making, decision-taking, setting intention and getting the outcomes that you desire. Uh, So before the break, we were talking about how to kind of get into the space of uh, thinking about how other people would think about what it is that we're doing or considering or what we're contemplating and then trying to put ourselves in a space of love, truth, trust and giving when we are contemplating making decisions or implementing decisions in our life. Uh, So Howard, I just wanted to ask you, what are the factors that affect how we think? 
Well, it's interesting because um, one of the key points of you know, my book and website, I think, therefore I'm wrong, is that how we perceive things is very much influenced by a number of things. Um, one is the context in which we're in. Uh, if you're in a context where, you know, there's a lot of other people around, they're all being really supportive, that might be one thing. If you're alone sitting somewhere feeling sorry for yourself, that would be another. You would see the same thing rather differently. I- interestingly enough, there's a lot of um, research on eyewitness reports, and eyewitness mm. reports are actually pretty unreliable because the context in which people see even the same event can change. Um, and so, you know, that's where the perception comes in, is that uh, the, the social context, we're in the mood we're in, right? That, you know, I'm sure everyone can relate to that. If you happen to be in a good mood, you're going to see things quite differently than if you're uh, you know, a little depressed. Um, so a, a whole variety of factors like that come in. Things that have happened to us in the past, we might be way more sensitive to things and quickly jump to conclusions and defensive conclusions simply because of past experience. Um, some people have had a negative experience with whatever is going on. Somebody hasn't. They're likely to perceive the thing very differently. That perception, social context, mood, past history, uh, all of those things come in and will shape how we see things and how we instantly respond to them. What's the first thing that comes into our mind? And once we've got one thing in our mind, it's very difficult to shift it unless you're really good and really practiced at challenging yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or that you have, again, the friends in your life that will challenge you <laughs> on, your, on your things that you're doing that, that are the thinking that is uh, influenced and not going the right direction. What I, I'm struck by and wondering is if we could build the perfect thinking model uh, what age do these factors really start to change and take form? Just as if p- there's parents listening in, it would be like, how can I create the best thinking uh, child and that their thoughts be, you know, um, that their decision-making skills be as pure as possible? What would some of the factors be? Are there different ages and stages where things are affected uh, that can really um, uh, make thinking not right? Well, well, there are, and obviously, just like any other behaviors, um, the two ways of instilling the best habits in your kids are one, by modeling them yourself, mm-hmm. and secondly, teaching them at, at different appropriate stages of life um, how to do these things. So if if your kid says, oh, well, you know, Johnny at school really hates me, you say, no, wait a minute, well, why, why do you think that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and you may, he may actually find out that Johnny does hate him, uh, or that actually, you know, Johnny is, you know, sick, or he's, got, he's upset, or he's jealous, or what have you. But in helping children understand where their thoughts and emotions come from, and how mm-hmm. they're so easily misinterpreted, and to be mindful of that would be probably one of maybe the most important thing, I think, you could teach mm-hmm. a child. Now, now, interestingly, you know, Piaget, a famous French child psychologist, came up with different stages of thinking. He got four stages related Mm -hmm. to different types of thinking. And the fourth stage was the ability to be rational. But there's a big distinction between the ability to be rational and what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. I mean, most people have the ability to be rational, but they're not most of the time because of the sorts of influences we've been talking about. So I think actually Piaget missed a fifth stage, which is the real awareness of what we're talking about, how easy it is to be misled by perception, by context, and the necessity of really thinking about your thinking. Right. And so the it sounds like you're it sounds like you're saying we need to have a method of or a way of being able to look at ourselves from outside of ourselves in order to evaluate that sort of sort of like the fly on the wall, um, you know, and watching ourselves and then evaluating what it is we're doing. Is that what you're sort of talking about? Yeah, I mean that, of that would be fifth? one way one way of expressing it for sure. Mm-hmm. And then and I've also heard other 
um, kind of spiritual leaders talk about holographic vision, which is the ability to take in the entire situation and not only to see what it is that you're doing in the situation, but also to see all the influences of what you're doing within a situation, how whatever it is that you're doing is going to ripple out and affect other people. Uh, so do you teach that to clients, Howard, or yes, do you I talk do. about that's that to clients? One of the things that I, yeah, I do, and it's one of the things mm-hmm. that I bring to, you know, the coaching that I do um, mm-hmm. at all levels. This is probably mm-hmm. the biggest thrust for me of, of where I come in to the picture is whether we're talking about a you know, corporate decision or corporate right. decision-making or personal, and the same things come into play, uh, you know, because... We're all human, and we all think uh, if we're not careful in this default setting. So, you know, a corp- corporations made a decision. A, a, a good example, one that I like, because it comes up a lot in relationships, is sometimes, you know, a corporation decides they need a change, um, and they're looking for a new uh, CEO or a leader. And the thing that they do is, is actually what happens for a lot of people when they get divorced and resume relationships. In these situations, you look for the quality that is totally opposite to the one you least liked about the last either leader or spouse, mm-hmm. okay? Because yes. that, you overvalue that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if you've had, if a corporation has had a leader who has been, you know, very laissez-faire and inclusive, his failure tends to, or her failure tends to be, well, that was a problem. He was too inclusive and wasn't decisive. We really need a decisive leader. Let's look for somebody who's really decisive. And they overvalue <laughs> that and then miss some of the other variables that are important. Yes. Um, or you can see that in relationships. Oh, you know, my previous, you know, ex was so domineering and dominating. I don't want that. So then you go look for somebody who's really submissive. Well, you don't necessarily want that either. So our experiences shapes how we perceive it and tends to lead us to overvalue things, which then come back to hurt our next decisions. Mm-hmm. Yes, so we want what we want until we don't want it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so why is it that we have so much discontent and that we want to make it about um, other people actually being too much or too little? Like, is that more of a statement of our, about ourselves or is it... Well, Something you know, one of, the hard, one of the hardest things to do really is to honestly look at yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the brain is geared for your survival, and your survival depends on you, or at least you think it is, your survival depends on you being right. Um, and, and so that, that's the narrative. It's much harder to say, you know what, um, I'm sure I'm thinking about this as some, some aspects of this that I'm not getting. Or there are some aspects of this that, I th- that I'm thinking are right, but I'm, I'm missing something. Because life's pretty complex. Reality is complex. And in an attempt to simplify it, you're always going to be missing something. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the sign of a great thinker, is the ability to see that and recognize it. So the, the great thinker is the person who can hold equally opposing thoughts in their head and for them all to be right and for there still to be missing pieces that they're willing to accept that they can't see right now. Is that correct? Yeah, and, and, and it's one of the difficulties we have is how do we weight different aspects of a problem? It's very difficult for us to do that, partly because the brain can only focus on one thing at a time. So you mm-hmm. can't look at you know 10 features and instantly weight how important each one is. It's very tough to do that, which, may, which means we tend to be all or nothing. And when we do that, then we start being oversimplistic and miss things. So, so part of it is to recognize there's all sorts of ways of looking at it. And, and probably all of those things have elements of truth in them, mm-hmm. um, but they're not the absolute truth. How do I weigh them all to get to the decision I want? And if that sounds overwhelming, you know, probably it is at first, but the payoff, I think, is enormous. Mm-hmm. And so that's a set of skills that would develop just over time and with um, use. Is that correct? Yeah, just like anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to know how to do it, and you've got to practice it um, so that, you know, the automatic thoughts, um, you can challenge them. You, you learn to do that. You just don't accept them, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And, and of course, you're not going to do this over every little decision. You know, some decisions, like you know, where am I going to eat tonight, are really not that important. <laughs> so we don't need to get into the sort of long analysis mm-hmm. of that. But the important decisions in life really do require, really do require this sort of analysis if you really want to give yourself a good chance of making the right decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I just um thinking that we've got we've talked about somewhat about decision making decision taking is a different thing decision making is kind of the gathering of information and getting your influences and your and your understanding and your wisdom and decision taking is implementing a decision and that part of that then is in this reflective practice and setting intent about well how like what is it that I want uh, out of this and how is it that I am approaching this and what's the outcome that I want to have like, are there strategies that you think people can use to um, move themselves into a position where they would be coming from a place where they're thinking about the un- outcome actually being something that would be a really 1 out of 10 10 ring the bell sort of outcome versus the getting stuck in the I just want to win this thing I just want to be right well, I think thinking about what you want from something mm-hmm. is is very important, and also you know what you want in the short term and really in the long term. And again, trying not to get caught up in the emotion of the moment, which is not easy, but to recognize it's going to be just it's going to distort you. And so, um, it, and this speaks a lot to I think divorce and breakup of relationships, you know, which tend to be hurtful and painful. And then people tend to lash out, and uh, you know we had um, we had Greg Anderson on talking about the, uh, his book, The Selfish Divorce, which really was really about this process. Um, the title was a bit tongue in cheek because what he meant was think about what you want. You know, you're going to get divorced. What do you want? You want to move on. You want to live a happy life. You don't want rancor. You know, hopefully you want the best for your ex because let's face it, if your ex is happy, that's good for you. All right? That's really what you want. But, of course, too many people get caught up in the emotion of wanting revenge and they're mad and make poor decisions as a result. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I think thinking about what do you really want from this? Um, and hopefully it's not revenge. What's the outcome <laughs> I want? How do I get there? And revenge and resentment, I think, come from a place, again, I've just talked about our the whole idea of entitlement, that we sort of have this notion in North America that we're entitled to have some sort of, you know, uh, enchanted life and that the truth <laughs> is that the we are entitled to create our own enchanted life and that if that was what we wanted to create, then how would we show up in the world every day? Like when I roll out of bed looking all grumpy and, you know, uh, hostile towards other people and drive to, through traffic, you know, giving people the bird and honking my horn and uh, go through the rest of the day grumbling. Or would I roll out of bed with a smile on my face and smile no matter what anyone else is doing and think positive thoughts and loving mm-hmm. thoughts towards other people. And they're very, t- they're, they're mindsets that you can actually cultivate in uh, habituated practice. So when you're talking, Howard, about kind of how we go through the day or, or what we get stuck in, I think that people need to know that there's this alternative and it's a really great way to think and it's a really great way to um, uh, resolve issues and save lots and lots of money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that the truth? Absolutely. No, absolutely. You know, I'm mindful as you're talking about that story you gave about um, when you started in your blended family, your daughter, you know, would get out of bed and would be grumpy, and, and you explained to her that you didn't have to do that. Um, and and as, I, as I like to think of it later, you know, she, she found rise and shine rather than rise and wine. You know, <laughs> you, 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 you know, you can get up and whine and moan and what have you, but you have a choice to do that or rise and get up with a very positive attitude. And, you know, the, the view and the assumption is that human beings, whether we're the only ones who can do that, we certainly have that capability to be able to change that mental state and state of consciousness. And that's an enormous power, but how often do we really use it? Right. It's like putting on our Hercules ring. (laughs) 
like putting on our superpower and it's so accessible. So we've got just a few seconds until the break. So when we come back after the break, we're going to pick up on this theme of, you know, how do we... Uh, how do we show up in the world every day? What's our actual, you know, responsibility? Do we have a responsibility to show up being happier and more well-adjusted and looking for uh, resolution and great relationships? Or is it okay to just stay in the state of, oh, woe is me and oh, poor me? So after the break, uh, we'll be talking with Dr. Rankin more about how we can make great decisions, how we can set fantastic intentions and how we can really get the outcomes that we want. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. Uh, today's episode, we're talking about decision-making, decision-taking, setting great intentions, and getting the outcomes that you want in your life. Uh, joined by Dr. Rankin, and we're just going to pick up on the theme of, like, how do we learn to step outside of ourselves in the first place to really interrupt the first thought in our heads to get to a second thought that might serve us better? So, Howard, what are some of the things that you know that work for people well, I think first is being willing to do that, right, and to try it. Um, and maybe maybe if you haven't done that, um, to try it with lesser decisions that you're less sort of emotionally invested in and, and see how that works. Because when you realize how misguided we can be, because that's the way the brain is, and that, you know, as great as the brain is, it's still limited, um, and that we're going to be overly influenced by all sorts of factors that we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. you know, that gets you thinking about, well, what are, just almost make a game of it. What are other ways of seeing it? What are, what are other decisions I can make? What happens if I did this? What if I did that? What if I did the other thing? In other words, just to be, have the willingness to be open-minded uh, about different ways of perceiving and thinking and decision-making is very, very important, I think. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I use with my clients is getting them to set the intention of the outcome that they want. And so Mm -hmm. I say, well, so what is it that you want to actually be the result of this? Do you want to feel closer to the other person? Do you want to feel more self-respect? And so, so when they think about, yes, I do want to feel closer. I do want to be more in love with my partner. I do want to feel more self-respect or self-worth. Then, we can back up and say, so what are the things that are in alignment with that then, with getting that outcome? And then can we write down some of those ideas so that you can stay on track? Because I think just like you've pointed out, and certainly I've experienced in my own life as well, is that it's pretty easy to get derailed and back just down into that rut. Like if you picture your brain, it's almost like it's got little ruts in it of the things, the the typical ways that you think. And, you know, you get on the slippery slope in your toboggan and slide down that slope a million times of the same negative messaging or the same I'm going to win or I'm going to have resentment about this and it's you've got to learn patterns of um, behavior that will interrupt that and knock your toboggan into a different pathway for lack of a better um, you know mm-hmm. metaphor <laughs> so no, no, so, I think it's good. 
Yeah. And so one of the things, other things I get my clients to do is to, once they've made a commitment to actually thinking, trying to think a different way, to really thinking a different way, I say the first thing that works for me definitely is getting in your mind a picture of a big black block letter word and the word is next. And so as soon as you have that first thought that is something like, well, I don't think, no, 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 or, you know, the, the, that noise and voice in your head, that automatically you're, it's blocked out by this big word, next, right across your whole visual space. And then you take a breath and you move into what would be a better thought in this second. Right. No, no I, I think that's good. So, and I've certainly used and I've had some people think of a big stop sign, you know. Mm-hmm. But I like next because stop just tells you to stop. It doesn't tell you what to do next. Um, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I think that it's important for people, again, if you realize that the, your thinking is going to be misleading in some way, maybe not critically, maybe very critically, you owe it to yourself to be more aware of the thought process so that you can, particularly on the most important decisions in life, like, you know, whether you really should go to the hospital after you've been in a car accident, um, the really important decisions in life, you can make good decisions. Small decisions, you know, probably really that, that where the outcome doesn't really matter, you know, less so, obviously. But for the big decisions in life, and frankly, unless you're used to doing it, you're going to you're going to mm-hmm. think exactly the same for small and big decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you need you need to be able to take this view of getting outside yourself, really, and outside of the habitual thoughts, the things that are going through your mind. Really trying to work out what alternatives there are, and are you mm-hmm. weighting and valuing these various things appropriately? Right, and the, I think when you're just picking up on the thread of, of making these little decisions and then making bigger and bigger decisions, what happens is a natural result of that, of making decisions that come from a place of actually really good uh, intent in terms of that being, you know, nurturing, healing, loving, uh, collective sort of thinking, that as you make those little decisions, your self-respect grows and you trust yourself to make better and better and better decisions. So even if you're given a range of choices, as you get wiser about your decision-making, that range of choices, you yourself are able to actually um, lessen and go, actually, there's not 500 choices. There's only one choice based Mm -hmm. on how I make my decisions. Mm-hmm. And this one choice would be this. And so that's kind of the, you know, moral mastery or the mastery of moral intelligence that we, you know, evolve and grow into doing. What's your perspective on that, Howard? What do you think about those? No, no, I think as you, you know, I think you're absolutely right. And as you're thinking, I just happen to be thinking of a couple of cases that I work with, again, related to divorce, where, you know, and I, unfortunately, this is not that uncommon, where... You know, both parties had to be right. Mm. Um, and, you know, they spent a fortune. Mm-hmm. I mean, money that would have, should have been put into their kids' uh, college funds and what have you, and have seen their car, kids through PhDs. I mean, that level of money, just fighting without, their only goal was to win. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, too much, too many people think like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think in the end they do win. Right. And the, and the it's not only yourself that you affect when you do that. You affect every single other person that comes in contact with you. Because when you're unwell or unhealthy or under attack, whether that's because you put yourself in that position or you have a physical ailment, your resources your, are not going towards the external world of growth and contribution. They're going towards the internal healing of something. Like if you think about somebody breaking their leg, they're not thinking about how they're going to contribute to somebody uh, in the world. They're thinking about how they're going to heal their leg. And a divorce is the same. They're, they're not thinking about how they're going to make anyone else life better it's a very selfish sort of place to be. And there's this ripple out effect of that you infect all the people that are around you. So, so yes, that's true. And moreover, through, potentially through down through the generations too, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have a really nasty, unpleasant um, divorce that goes on post-divorce. Your kids are affected. That influences how they grow up and possibly who they choose to marry and blah, blah, blah. You know, so it's, 
it's not just the present that gets influenced, it's the future too. Yes. And one of the places I worked just recently, I was just absolutely um, amazed in a great way that they had, there's like 4,500 employees. And of the 4,500 employees over the span of, I believe it was about 30 years, they had only had one divorce. Wow. Yeah. And so it's like this culture of like what's acceptable, what's not acceptable in our culture. And so it kind of takes us right back to the beginning of our discussion of, of uh, you know, just how do, how do we make these decisions and in the context of what are we making decisions. And in society, it's become just okay now. It's almost if you haven't been divorced, it's absolutely shocking. Uh, but there are mm-hmm. places that is it is not acceptable to you know, treat your partner poorly. It's also very much an expectation of the people that they worked with that if they saw somebody was struggling, that they would actually say something to them to be helpful. And it was just amazing to me. So I know that that exists. And even that makes me hopeful. <laughs> well, no, I think that's true. And I think yeah, I, I know of a couple of organizations like that where the, the culture is, is so caring and considered mm-hmm. and thoughtful and in many ways loving, um, that, that that absolutely influences the employees. That's the sort of thing that I was talking about earlier in terms of the influences on your perception. If you're in an environment like that, um, mm-hmm. you are probably going to be thinking uh, or guided and supported to be thinking in creative and adaptive ways, mm-hmm. whereas if you're in a different sort of environment, that's going to influence you the other way. Um, and so I totally get that. I think it's phenomenal. Um, yeah, I think so it's better we than what creating- we're talking about. Yeah, and if we were creating for ourselves the life that we really want, which is what this show is about, is mastering your life and mastering your your destiny. Uh, what would it be? It's like the who am I and who is it that I want to be? Who would I emulate? Who would I most like to be like when I go home at night and I sit down on my sofa? What is it that I take in on the TV? And you know, how does that actually? How does that influence how I think about my family? How do I think about myself? How do I think about how it's okay to interact with other people? And I think we're very influenced by the uh, media and by our friends and by the places that we work because that is, for all oh. intents of purposes, our culture. Yeah, uh, we're hugely influenced by that in, 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 in more ways than we imagine, I think. you know, mm-hmm. um, One of the things, of, one of the cognitive biases is um, what influences and we tend to overvalue if things we can remember, things we've seen. Okay? Yes. So if you watch media that gives you the same sorts of things, that's going to shape your perception of things because you remember those things. You say, oh, yeah, of course, I know that's true because I saw it on the news. Right? And, um, and so right. media <laughs> does, and, and social media as well as um, traditional media, uh, you know, influences us in very subtle ways and, and, not so, and some not-so-subtle ways. And mm-hmm. I actually saw that uh, I saw a, a um, research report today suggesting that uh, the trust in the media generally is sort of like at an all-time low, which isn't really surprising. I think people are very cynical about and yet people just media. take it in like they cannot shut the TV off. They cannot not right. walk past a magazine in the right. grocery store that is completely sensationalized. Um, right. So our own impulse control is a huge um, problem. That's right. I want to get in a story, Howard, though, but I, sure. because it's a story you shared with me. And I just wondered if you could, would be willing to share this with um, the listeners, because I just thought it was such a great example when we're talking about role models and that those would be like the things that we would um, that would be most important. Uh, we've got about four minutes until we're done. But but the role modeling and how people either choose to be like a parent or not like a parent or to to manifest one destiny or not manifest another destiny because uh, people will say, I grew up in a really terrible home and this is how I am. Or they will say, I grew up in a really terrible home and this is how I am. And one can be a great outcome and one can be a bad outcome. So really it is, it's choices that we make. But you shared a story with me about your dad. And I just wondered if you would kind of close the show with that thought a bit. Well, yeah, it's really also about perception. And my dad was a great guy. 
he had a good sense of humor, but he was one of the most stressed out people you'd ever see um, for all sorts of reasons. He, he had no education, but he was very, very smart um, and, and, and actually got through on life very well. He, he was actually a bookie. He was official. You could do that in, in England, and he did amazingly well simply because he had incredible powers of mental arithmetic. But because he was so stressed out, as a child, I was always monitoring his mood to see what sort of mood he was in mm-hmm. and um, you know going in fact his mood sort of determined how the household was you know and my mom would say well don't say anything because dad might do this and dad might do it. and so I think at one level that led me into psychology you know from a young age I was trying to make everything okay and, and not make waves um, but, but I did misunderstand something that he said to me and it's interesting in the context of life in general you see these things and I was uh, I was probably about 16 and so probably in the 10th grade and and my education was progressing and I said to him dad I think that if I just do this and this I'll, I'll be able to go to university now at that time in Britain maybe 3% of kids went to university so it was you know pretty long shot and his reaction was you no way and <laughs> I interpreted that as the guy doesn't have any confidence in me. But actually, over time, I think that's not what he was saying at all. (laughs) What he was saying is, awesome, no way. But it didn't come across to me like that. And so, you know, I think there's a great lesson there in how we interpret things. Do, you know, do we really understand what people meant? Um, and I, I'm, I'm really glad that over time I've, I've come to see that, that differently because he was so supportive of me in other ways that I don't think he meant it the right. way it sounds, you know? Yeah, yes. And you could have hung on to that and resented that for your whole life and and you didn't. So I think the other lesson in there is that um, people say things all the time <laughs> and that there's, you know, uh, to us that we can either take so that, you know, taking other people's labels or that we can create our own stories and our own uh, victories and our own relationships uh, with, with ourself and self-respect. So just as we close the show today, I just want to thank uh, you, Howard, again for your insight, inspiration, and intelligence, and invite people to check out your blog um, this week and sorry, and my blog also on 10 Ways to Create Positive Thinking in Any Situation. Uh, you can find our information on our e-card for this show, and we just want to thank you so much for joining us again this week. Uh, we hope that you have a fantastic week and that you be, are in the process of becoming that person that you really want to be. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fantastic week. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, Go enjoy your successful life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.